Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And listen, y'all, like seriously, you need to share this out. Stop whatever it is you're doing. Share this out. Let's get a couple of million people. Okay, that might be difficult, but let's get a lot of people in here watching this right now. I have the one, the only, the world's best-selling author, Mark Victor Hansen, best known for being the co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I have Xavier Eichren Coder on as well, best known as the son of the inimitable Reverend Ike. You guys are not going to believe this show. So make sure you share this out to everybody you know, and let's get a bunch of people on here. We'll see you in just a minute. And here we are, Mark Victor Hansen and Xavier Eichren Coder, right? I'm saying it right. You got it. Got it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you guys here. Awesome. We're honored to be on. And, and by the way, that was a great breakthrough video. I'm glad that I'm on the front. I know every one of those characters. I mean, nice thugs. I mean, good people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do know them all. I know. It's crazy. So, so I, I look, I'm honored that, um, you're both on here. I know you recently wrote a book together and we're going to get into that, but it, I, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind is start the show off with, um, you guys just introduce yourselves and, and tell the audience who you are and, 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 you know, what, where you come from in case they don't know. So Mark, we'll start with you. <laughs> I, I'm being silly. I got to be straight here. I lost a whole bunch of money uh, back in 1974, and luckily Reverend Ike existed, unknown, unbeknownst to me. And and two guys said, "Let's go up to see his church." He hit my spiritual spark plug, woke me up, and I was suicidal at the time because I lost two million dollars of other people's money in one day, which is like not a good remedy for a business success. And I'd built the Wall Street Racket Club, Botanical Gardens, Aviaries. So I thought I was already, I was eating at top of the sixes. I thought I'd arrived. <clears throat> and luckily, this guy inspired me at the depth of my soul. And that, I first of all became his uh, mentee, and he was my mentor. Then we became peers. Then ultimately, we worked together on a lot of different projects. And he let me teach at his Science of Living Institute at uh, uh, United Palace, which, and, and at that time, I met his son, who is my junior. So he, uh, younger. Uh, I, I only say that because we both got the same haircut nowadays. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ca I'm catching you guys. So. Yeah, you're ca well, you know, it's, it's every it better receding hairline than a receding brain and mind, right? <laughs> I hope right. you're all enjoying listening. And I know most of you have got one of my chicken soup books or I've written 320 books in your house. So I love it. And then I will pass this to my dear co-author of this book, Xavier, who you're going to find is wise, brilliant, insightful, and has profound understanding that very few people do. So that's why I was so excited to get to co-author this with my friend Xavier. <laughs> and and I, I have to say that because of this book, I, I just recently, and when I say recently, I mean like today, 
I was reading some parts of the book where you talked about Buckminster Fuller and you were talking to Reverend Ike about, about what Bucky said about where humanity started. It was um, some islands. I forget what, <clears throat> what you said in the book and that, which islands. Um, over by Tahiti. We'll make it easy on you. Yeah. And, and well, I didn't even know they existed. So I went and looked it up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's in the middle of nowhere, literally. Yeah. And, and so, Reverend Ike, yeah. who was profoundly wise, but could take the, Einstein says, and Einstein was my teacher, Bucky Fuller's best student, I think, but Einstein said, it is the objective of those that are wise to take the incredibly complex and make it simple enough for everyone to understand. And that's what that Xavier's dad did. He, he could talk street language better than anyone, but at the same token, I got to have a lot of private meals with him. He could talk, what you're talking about is cosmogony and cosmology, how humanity started and, and way back yeah. to the beginning, which I did not expect us to go there in this conversation at all. And by the way, Xavier can do exactly the same thing. So this is going to be That's a profound, amazing. insightful hour together, everyone. Amazing, amazing. Well, Xavier... Tell everybody a little bit about you and where, where it all began for you. I might even give you full screen for this. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Thanks for having us, Ken. It's, uh, it's an honor. Really appreciate being here with you and my co-author and your audience. Yes, so I'm Xavier Eichrencoder, and uh, I am uh, an inspirational uh, communicator. I communicate spirituality, and I do it through a few different mediums. Uh, through music, uh, through spoken word, inspirational spoken word. Um, and I am also a uh, guider of meditative experiences. That's one of the specialties that I've uh, developed over the decades. Um, born into the church, you know, founded by my father, Reverend Ike, uh, many decades ago. And uh, grew up in that church in watching him, you know, help people break through. You know, I love the name of your your show, Ken. Um, it's apropos for, for the Thank work you. that my dad did. Yeah. Um, but he helped people break through, you know, limiting mindsets, uh, whether it was poverty, whether it was illness, whether it was, you know, a lack of love in your life. He helped people break through the things that walled them in to boxes of limitation. He helped them first think out of the box, imagine themselves out of the box, and then get out of the box. So uh, that's what I grew up with, watching my dad do that. And um, it was an honor, uh, also a challenge, you know, growing up with a dad that was bigger than life and, uh, you know, an incredible influencer before influencer was a thing or an occupation. You know, I mean, the name of the book is Reverend Ike, uh, An Extraordinary Life of Influence, because he impacted um, so many people. Um, and I did run his church, you know, uh, for for quite a while and, and worked directly with him uh, to help people. And when he passed on, I took it over and ran it for a while and then went more headlong into my work in music and spoken word and and um, doing other things in my life that I like, things that really fulfill me. But it's really all around spiritual communication. That's really the, the bottom line of it for me. You, you know, with with my experience as a podcaster, um, you you could literally have the number one podcast in the world if you did one. Wow! With that voice, that voice, oh my gosh! 
I was going to say the same thing. His voice is mellow. It just it oh. goes across the heart into the soul. I, I don't know, Xavier, I've never said that to you before, but I hear it. And he's telling the truth. So, Xavier, you're going to have to do drumming and vocals at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Ken, you haven't seen his house, but, it, but he's got, he, what do you call the giant drums that are as big as that we saw it with Sean Connery in that one Japanese movie where he let us, he let Bob Proctor and I come and visit one day in Malibu at, at a, one of wow. his houses at the time. And uh, we got to play him. And I was just, I thought, wow, I've never seen a drum bigger than me. Yeah, that's an, that's an Odaiko. It's a Taiko drum. It's a, it's a Japanese traditional drum, which is just fantastic. It has amazing resonance. I show it to you if I could bring it into this room. It doesn't fit through the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. And and how many people, sorry, sorry it's, it's not very often I hear somebody say he let Bob Proctor and I come over to his house. Like what? Like, yeah. that, that's crazy. Unbelievable. That was By the way, Bob wrote the foreword to your book. He did. He did. It was an honor to have him do that. And um, I met Bob that uh, two times. That time uh, with him and Mark at the house, it was so much fun doing that, drumming together. And uh, yeah, see, see, drumming creates a resonance, right? And, and you experience an entrainment. And part of the work that I do, and I did this with um, boys in probation. I worked in group homes and probations in L.A. doing uh, programs. And so we would build the circle. We would teach traditional West African drums and we would uh, train and train around issues of heart, issues of the mind, and, and work with these gang members to, again, help them break through, to help them break out of old habits and circles of influence and mindsets that, uh, you know, got them in trouble and incarcerated in the first place. But yeah, it was so much fun doing some of that with Mark and Bob. And the second time I met uh, that I saw Bob was at my dad's memorial. He came and spoke there at the United Palace in Washington Heights. And, uh, just uh, profoundly honored to have him uh, be there and do that to speak and then to write the forward. I think, wasn't the forward, Mark, the last thing that Bob uh, wrote? Yeah, Bob and I had owned two companies together. We owned the 3% Club where we said only 3% of the people become millionaires. And we want everyone to become a millionaire because that's a minimum, not a maximum. Just like Big Mo said, you're supposed to live in Genesis 6-3, 120 years, and my goal is 127 with options for renewal. Uh, so, yeah, and Bob was addicted to listening to Reverend Ike. He would set his clock to get up at 1.30 in the morning because Reverend Ike bought, forgive me for doing this, Xavier, but he bought what's called cheap time on radio, right? Infomercial time. And, sure. and uh, they think nobody's listening, but here's the deal uh, for those of you, and, and your podcast may work the same way, 20% of the people are awake and do the midnight shift. And you got to listen to somebody. And Bob hit on Reverend Ike, found out when he was, and was faithfully listening, donating, growing, and just absolutely loved it. And, and Bob had come out from, at that time, earning $4,000 a year as a fireman in Toronto, Canada. And he owed 6000 and he had five kids already. So things weren't looking good for him. And he heard Reverend Ike, and then he read Think and Grow Rich, and he started making 175000 a year, and then three, a million a year, and on and on. The point is, everybody that got to touch the hem of the garment called Reverend Ike transitioned from sickness to health, from poverty to wealth. And that's what Xavier and I have done, is we've done a book that if you'll touch it, you know, we can break through. And right now, given a $33 trillion debt load in America, we need everyone to break through, everyone to be productive, everyone to take self-initiative to action. 
love what they're doing, do what they love, and become for pro- profoundly prosperous, which is what Reverend Ike did. I would watch, and Xavier would sit in a, there with his mom, who I absolutely love and adore, and she's still with us. And and uh, we'd watch people come in in rags or whatever one week, and three weeks later, they'd be in brand new clothes that come in. They had wow. new styling and profiling because they had he changed their self-image, and it's the image on the inside that creates wealth, health, happiness, joy, success, and prosperity on the outside. And it was just, it was, it was astounding to see instant, and the main line he used on that little issue was Apostle Paul, be transformed by the self-renewing of your mind. And it just, it, he just pulled off the stuff. And we watched people get rid of tuberculosis, cancer four. Uh, I'll let Xavier talk about how many canes he broke because people come in, you know, walking on canes. Xavier, would you hit on that just real quick and how we had him I- on the wall? Sure, I sure. Wanna, I want to hear that, definitely. <laughs> Please, let's go. Now we're getting into it. I love All it. Right. Yes, well, it's pretty powerful. You know, my dad was quite the healer. He's not as well known for that, but that was one of his, uh, his great gifts. So, yes, people would come in. There was a what was called the healing section at the church there at the United Palace. And so people with health concerns would go and they would sit there. And at a certain point in the service, my dad would come over and do a special prayer with them. And then he would start to walk through the uh, the healing section. And, you know, someone would either reach out to him or he would get a sense to go to somebody and work with this person. So I have literally seen, and this is, you know, this is a regular Sunday, <laughs> people in wheelchairs my dad would pray and lay on hands and, and also have the, the congregation lift their hands and send them healing energy. And so, again, this, this is about resonance. This is about energy, not by power, not by might, but by spirit. Mm. The healing comes. And so when you get in that kind of resonant field, just like, you know, when Christ entered into uh, someone's presence. There was a virtue that that issued forth. Well, my dad taught that we all have that within us. We all have that power within us. And when we accede to that power and open up to that power, it can flow through us. So what my dad was doing, it wasn't him personally that was healing. It was his understanding and his consciousness of the truth of this person who was manifesting an illness in the moment he understood, first of all, that they were one with God. I and my father are one. And he believed mm-hmm. that was the truth of everyone. That was a, a, um, a principle that Jesus spoke on our behalf as human beings. I and my father are one. So he would see the person as a child of God and know that, therefore, the truth of them is total health, total well-being. And so he would see that perfect image of them. And that would allow the person, if they were willing to touch and agree with the true Christ nature that was within them, which is health, which is well-being. And if you agree to that, in a resonant space where you're also being supported by thousands of people, boom, the healing can happen. So I have seen people stand up out of wheelchairs, walk around. My dad would take their canes, some of them who came in with canes, snap them across his knee, break them or hang them on the wall. There was a bank of canes and walkers and wheelchairs <laughs> there at the United Palace where people would come in, infirm and leave healthy. 
Okay, so I <clears throat> I have a question, and and both of you are welcome to answer. This is my question. It's not from the audience. By the way, anybody in the audience, if you have questions, ask them. Let's let's let. I mean, we have two the two wisest men possibly on the planet with us. So, um, and, and then I I'm just here to ask the questions. But so so was it. And I don't know if, how do I ask this? Was it the power, <clears throat> was it the power of Christ or the power of the person's belief? It's both. According to your, your faith, so be it unto you, right? If you yeah. believe, you can be transformed. And I think the power of Christ is our understanding of that. And mm. when we match our belief with that ultimate truth, yeah. That just flows through. It's like my belief and the power of Christ become one in that moment. And yeah. so I think it really is both coming together wow. in a powerful way. Additionally, and I will never walk over you, Xavier, I agree with everything you said, but because he was living in the presence and power of God and talked to that, that evoked it in the people. So they came out of their little sense of self into their divine sense of self. And he, and his exact line would be close, and Xavier can edit it if I'm wrong, but the, the truth of you is that the divine inside you has never been sick, is not sick, and will not be sick. What Paul said is, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So, And the divine in you has never been broke. The divine in you has never been sick. The divine in you has, has got the ability to solve everything because you have a soul you don't have a soul you are a soul and he could see the soul in that person and i think he back to what i said about self-image i think he could switch the images in their head so they remembered that they're supposed to be well they're not supposed to be sick they're not supposed to be distressed because your stress is down uh, no de-stress is way down and then um stress eu stress is up so he got them out of down into up and it was a positive church and it, we had, you can watch it online. And I, I, I know I shouldn't be recommending everyone go to YouTube after this done and watch all rubber Light, <laughs> but I do still. And he's got 28 million people watching. So it's like he supersets your experience and he takes you to places in the Bible. Like he said, look, I grew up back in 1935, he was born. And then, you know, by 40, he was, didn't have seven cents to buy a meal. And he said, where were all the people that were supposed to take care of me. My belly button was sticking to my ribs. And he said, the line was, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he said, I didn't want to be sick. I didn't want to be poor. And he said, I saw myself as being rich because he said, you got to be it to do it, to have it. And that transformed me because you got to be what you want to be before you can do what you want to do before you can have what you want to have. Xavier, is have I been pretty much on spot? I would say so. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of what Mark is pointing to also is that the basis of my dad's philosophy, his preaching and teaching is about God in me, as he termed it. And that is the belief that God, the indwelling spirit, animating force that gives us all life. Nothing else gives us life. What else gives us life? Right. Right. You can call it a scientific term if you want to, but it's an animating force. God is in me. God is in you. God is in every human being. So that's what he based. His belief system was based on that. And so if you have God in you, therefore you are 100% worthy 
of all of the good that God is and has. He used to say, we're made of God stuff. God had nothing else to make us out of. But himself. <laughs> what else is there? There's only God, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I love that. We, and the little chuckle as you're as you're saying it, that's even that's great. Yeah. I love that. Sometimes we want to pretend we're made of something else. Right. <laughs> but right. we're not. We, we remember what we're made of, or as they say in the black church a lot, a lot. Remember who we are and whose we are. Then, mm. uh, you know, then we're completely worthy. So that's how, you know, the black boy from the Jim Crow South growing up in the 30s was able to dismiss and rewire his thinking about himself from a society that told him that he was something less than. He took that out and said, no, I'm worthy because I'm one with God. I'm a child of God like everybody else on this planet. So, so you, you said, I'm sorry, I'm chomping at the bit. <laughs> There's probably a, a thousand other people who wish they could be on here asking questions, but so, so, but, you said you worked with, with, did you say you worked with inner city youth? Is that what you said? Yes. And, and, and I assume your father did. And, and I know Mark has, and I have, how do you, how do you get, because you know, I think you, you would agree that it's programming going on up here that keeps yeah. people stuck in the, whatever their, their socioeconomic scale is, it keeps them stuck. What do you do to help break those those programs, to interrupt them and install new programming? Sure. Well, part of what works and still does with us, the, 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 the organization still exists, um, is so I would go in with something that I love, something I was passionate about, something that I was turned on about, specifically West African drum. And I would offer this venerable art form to these young men who were incarcerated. And there's something, when you come from your place of passion, when you come from a place of, I have something valuable to give, to offer you, not anything to put on you. I wasn't trying to indoctrinate them. No, I'm simply sharing something that I loved. And when the ones who were willing accepted the invitation, we would go all in and we would learn this art form. We would teach them and they would respect me as a gentle authority. And we took that further into initiation and rites of passage where we teach them to meditate. We would do life skills, um, prepare them for, for jobs. And this is was all about reconditioning the mind, deprogramming, you know, the, the knee jerk responses to anger, learning how to breathe again, connecting with the center, the core of our beings, which is breath and life. When we breathe, we're taking in the spirit of God, of that animating force of the universe anew. Every time, how many times a minute do we breathe? That's a fresh opportunity to take that in. So I find that when you um, relate to kids who've been in trouble at that level of, of passion and realness and honesty, they open up and you can you can share whatever is that you you have for them. And at the same time, learn from their experience. Listening is a very uh, important part of it, just really being there to receive what it is that they're dealing with, to receive um, their situation. And it becomes this healing, uh, healing exchange. So it's just being in the moment with them, being real, offering something that you love that can spark uh, within their own hearts or within their imaginations, and then start to give them different ideas about who they are. You know, you're not 
yes, you're in a gang, but you don't have to be a gang member. There are alternatives. You know, there are other ways to bond with positive community. You can find, you know, other positive initiations other than being jumped into gangs. And there are different ways of life. You know, people do different things. And, you know, like my dad's story shows, you're born into underprivileged circumstances. You don't have to stay there in that same track. You can jump. Amen. Amen and amen. Mark, do you have anything to add? Well, the way you set up the question is, let me answer it in sort of the experience I saw. Reverend Ike went to Riker Island, where if you've been to New York, you know, we're dealing with people that are not of the same mind. And what he would do is he'd go in there in his great regalia because he always dressed to impress. And he was I, I, the most exquisite uh, dresser I ever met. And he changed my and upgraded because I grew up poor with chain, getting one pair of blue jeans on Monday. They got washed on Thursday and I wore them again on Friday. So um, I, I came out of nothing. And, and uh, he showed that you could have all that you want and then some. And so he goes into the church, into Riker Island. And he got a lot of prisoners out by changing their mindset because he would go in and he'd be gentle. And then he was a, a passionate preacher. If you watch him online, you'll just go, whoa, that guy's got the juice. It, like Xavier was saying, his passion exuded, but it didn't exude just to one. It exuded to the 5,000 that were in the congregation or everybody at Riker Island. And it uplifted their spirit. And, and I can tell you, a lot of those people we interviewed some for the book, you know, literally got out of the slammer. Because he changed their mind, just like he changed their mind about going on welfare. He said, welfare is a state, but it's not a state where you have to stay. You can transform out of that. And we just had somebody across the screen, a lovely lady, Alfreda, I think was yeah. her name. Yeah, Alfreda, right uh, good to see you. Uh, I don't know that I know you. I, by the way, remember, I met everybody at Reverend Ike's church sooner or later because I was there seven wow. years in a row every Sunday faithfully if I was in town. And Xavier met them all too, but we're talking about a throngs of people. But God yeah. bless, look at that. She said, because of his teaching, I was a millionaire 25 uh, years old in 1985. Well, that makes you almost 21, so you can go out and drink after this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, Alfredo doesn't get to talk. I'd love to have her talk. And here's an esthetician, an A. I understand that since God is with me, I'm worthy of all that God is worthy of. Can you please help break the mindset that Jesus? Oh, Ooh, I want to talk to this one first. That's that's a big one. Great question. Oh my. Okay, God. so let me just do it out of the book. First We're of all, we're gonna have church here tonight, y'all. Here we go. Amen, brother and sister. So first of all, if you look at what Jesus did, he said, John ten ten. The first part is a downside. The second part is of coming. You might have life and have it more abundantly. What did he took? He took a shortage of fish and made abundance, and he fed not only 5,000, but the only counted men back in those prehistoric two days 2,000 years ago, and, and he fed probably 15,000, 12,000, 15,000 men, women, children. And then, then he said to the disciples, and you see this best in the movie Chosen, go out and collect the 12 baskets left over. He, Reverend Ike, he said he was wearing, Reverend Ike wore great tailor-made clothes, but he also wore Brioni shirts, ties, suits, you know, which start today at $7,000 each. And he had a wardrobe that he spent back then, you know, 50 years ago, $1,000 a week. And now that'd be 10000 a week or more. The point is, Jesus had the seamless garment. It was said to be radiant. And where Reverend Ike had 26 Rolls Royces 
and gladly uh, I got to ride in him on occasion. And uh, you know, when we were together in 26, yeah, that's all. He said he would go into Rolls Royce dealer and the Rolls Royce would talk to him and say, I'm going home with you. Uh, and Xavier <laughs> can correct that if, if I'm misinterpreting or misacknowledging oh my, my dear friend. I just, I, he, he brought me up to levels of, and I did have a Rolls Royce Silver Cloud 3 and we're getting another. But it just, it's exciting that, you know, when you change your mind, you change your outlook, you change your perception. Because the perception is, if you look at the world, it looks flat. We now know, thanks to space travel, it's round. You know, perception, if you look at the downside of your hand, there's no age. If you look at the upside of my hand at 75, you know, there's some brown spots. <laughs> the point <laughs> is, it's all perception. And what Reverend got is us to change our perception, to change our future and change our life. Alfreda, is there any way to bring her on and let her talk and say hello? I, I wish there was. Okay. I wish there was. Alfreda, if you could write, because you're loving this, if you could write you know, what business you did when you're 25, that'd be lovely to tell all, inspire all these other people. Do you want to talk to that same question, Xavier, please? Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to hear your Alfreda's testimony. Uh, yeah. And if Alfreda, if, if she sends me on my personal Facebook page, a, 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 a messenger message, I will send her the link and she can jump on and, and, and speak to us. Why not? That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. So as to this issue of Jesus being poor, um, I haven't seen the evidence of that. Um, as far as I know, Jesus always had everything that he needed when he needed it. And to me, you know, that's that's the definition of, of uh, wealth. That's the definition of success, access to all the resources that you need. And as Mark, uh, I think Mark mentioned the multiplying loaves and fishes, that's that's powerful. That's what's poor. There's no poor <laughs> in that. And my dad used to say, uh, uh, Jesus rode the uh, Rolls Royce of his day, which was a donkey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. So, you know, and this whole idea of, you know, the virtue of poverty, I think a lot of that is, uh, a line that certain churches, frankly, have have taught people while they're asking you for money, they're they're <laughs> unfortunately giving you what my dad used to call a money rejection complex. In other mm. words, somehow making you think you shouldn't have access to certain resource, financial resources. And they'll, you know, quote scriptures like, you know, it's easier for what a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to heaven. But we understand the eye of a needle was an entrance on the side of a castle and for a camel to get through, you had to strip the saddle and the stuff off of it. And then the camel could actually get through, but it's a metaphor, right? Right. If you're puffed up and so full of your own ego, you're not going to get into the higher vibrational states of consciousness. It's not just about money. It's not, I don't believe that Jesus, that the scripture is so shallow that it reduces to, to you know, it's noble to be poor. It can be. It can be a choice to be an, you know, an ascetic and not have money. That's fine. That's a choice, but it, that's not for, for everybody. You can be wealthy and rich and uh, all of that and still uh, you know, have plenty of love, love for God. So my father's approach to this, again, is because I'm a child of the king. I deserve all of the good that God has. And I can live an abundant life in all ways, abundance of health. Happiness, love, success, prosperity, money. That was his uh, his mantra. 
this this segment of the show is called "Come On With It." <laughs> like this is this is unbelievable! Wow. So, so and uh, people are loving this. I see Chris Widener's on here. Hey, Chris, good to see you, man. Um, Chris is doing so, great work these days. He's he in a lot of books, so he's a great man. Chris <laughs> is awesome. Love that dude. Um, so, so um, let's talk about the book. You guys got together. You decided to um, write this book, and I'm going to put it up on screen. There it is. You decided to write this book, and um, first, where, why, and why you two? Why not just Xavier, or why not just Mark, or what made you decide to do this together? Well, of course, Reverend Ike's my dad. When he passed in 2009, it was just obvious his story uh, had to be told. And um, so, you know, I worked with it uh, for a long time. I went through different iterations and uh, got to a certain point where really, I, actually, I burned out on writing it because um, it's, you know, very emotional experience writing about a parent and rehashing things and going through that journey. And, you know, early on, I was still grieving. So it was it was really too early for me to, to try and bring a book to completion. Yeah. Um, why Mark? Because um, the biggest selling author of all time. No brainer. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't want to say that. But, <laughs> but the most important, really, uh, core reason for me is because he and my dad's relationship, you know, they had a great regard and love for each other. My dad mentored Mark and Mark, you know, credits a lot of his success to my dad. And I know they really cared about each other. So who better than someone, you know, with Mark's ability and skill uh, in the industry who had a really wonderful uh, um, relationship with my father and really knew him at the level of uh, being a men uh, mentee, but also then as a colleague when he came into his uh, into his own success. So uh, I will ride on everything he said is correct. But Reverend Ike told both son and he used to call me his Viking because I'm Danish, Christian, his Viking son, and would write me letters of that, which Xavier has found now in the archives, which blew my mind because, wow. you know, we were friends for 40 years. I mean, holy smoly. I mean, you know, wow. there are very few people. And we never did anything but love each other, enjoy each other, spend a lot of time together, do fun things together. But the, the point is he wanted to leave a legacy because what he was saying to Xavier and I, spirit lives forever. It always was, is, and will be. And, and some people are writing there to us about, uh, tell me about how this, uh, the fish and the collectors. Well, Reverend Ike taught what's called instant manifestation. And the way that Xavier and I teach it in the book which is why everyone's got to read it, is everyone knows the law of attraction, which is great. And I was part of that whole film series. But more important, what Ike did was he dealt in the law of creation. And let's talk about the law of creation. Peter and his brother and, and the boys are out fishing all night and getting no fish. They come into dock and they, coming into dock and going to meet your wife and saying, hey, honey, I uh, can't feed you today because <laughs> we had a bad bummer of a night last night. And the first thing, first time, you know, says, uh, what do you want? He says, I want your boat. I've got a group here and I got to talk to the group. And, you know, he was just mesmerized with 
because here's a true believer, a guy who believes uh, that he's the son of God. And Reverend Ike got into that zone, I think, because we're talking about elevated levels of consciousness from manifestation. Talks to the people. Then he says, go out and fish again, but this time fish and drop it on the right side of the boat. And what Reverend Ike would say, that's in your right brain. Your right brain is your creative center. And the reason I outsell everyone is because I'm what's called a bypass marketer. And last night we had a dinner with the biggest food guys with Quest Bar. And we're going to put order forms for every one of our books in every one of their food bars. We're putting one in every one of Paul Mitchell. We're going to go out to billions of people, with, including with this book, that no one could get to. Because everybody says, well, what we do is we go to 20 bookstores. Well, hip, hip, hooray. Sell no damn books. Oh, you know, 200 people come to 20 bookstores. You sell 4,000 books. You do not make it the number one New York Times. And I'm the only guy alive, been like a plaque here, 59 times the number one New York Times. Nobody has been more than I have. So I got the program down and we've got the algorithms. But the fish, the boys come back with a fish, and the fish is breaking the boat such that, because they went in the right brain, they went to the right place. Because when you're in the spirit of Christ, you're thinking right, Reverend Ike would teach. You're talking right. You're acting right. You're meeting the right people to get the right results right here, right now. And you say, well, that's pretty formulaic. Well, yeah, but that's the point, is thinking <laughs> makes it so. The Bible says, as a man or woman thinketh in his or her heart, deeper, innermost, highermost soul, that's how you are. Most people never understood the Bible correctly and positively. And, and so Xavier and I have said, hey, look, we're going to take everything Reverend Ike taught, both of us, put it in this book that if you touch it and you read it and you go through it and you understand it, you not only apprehend it, but you comprehend it, which means you've got instant utility, you'll manifest. Like one time I'm with him and he says, I want a pair of blue shoes. He goes in the shoe store and they say, look, I think his size was nine. Uh, Xavier can correct it if I'm wrong. But they said, we don't have any blue shoes. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. However, <laughs> the guy went back. He said, well, look, if you don't have it in your computer and you don't have them, then I shouldn't have to pay for these because I just manifest. <laughs> I manifest that stuff every day. I manifest like the guy I had dinner with last night that does Quest bars. And I'm not trying to sell the healthiest bar on the planet, but we're going to do three books with them. And, and the point is, he's going to do an order form in every one of 100 million bars a month. Well, that's a billion, too. Wow. We sell one in a thousand. That's a uh, million books. We're, wow. I'm, I'm saying when Ike said you got to think right, he got those guys to think right. It didn't matter that they didn't catch any fish all night. When you think right, you're going to go to the right place in, with the right bait, bring up the right thing. And then, as, as you see in the movie The Chosen, which I hope everyone's watched on YouTube or you know whatever you watch it on, um, prime, I don't care, but they had to have two boats to have all the load. Every one of us is entitled when you get into the divinity of your spirit that Xavier and I are teaching is to manifest all the good you want. Not a little bit. You can't get a better job because you're not smart enough. No, no, there's <laughs> the richest guy in the world is hiring kids in eighth grade, Elon Musk, because <laughs> he says, how do you solve the biggest problem in your life? Not, not, are you an engineer? Can you solve this to get our ass on? Whoops, I shouldn't have said that on a religious show. Mars. Ass is in the Bible, so I don't think you went too far. <laughs> okay, but, good. Thank you. Thanks so, for saving so, <laughs> so you, you, uh, I, I, I love it when Mark goes off on a, on a diatribe like that. It's awesome. So, so, um, 
a couple of questions here real quick. McGenna said, you remember McGenna, Mark, there's McGenna. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's great. You, wonderfully. Yes. How would you define intuition so that a five-year-old could understand it? Oh, that's a beautiful question. I love that. That is a so, great question. Yeah. So, so McGenna, well, a five-year-old will understand please. intuition because it's part of what's still innate within them and hopefully still connected. We are born, um, with a knowing of who we are. We are born with a broader sense of our senses that extend vibrationally out beyond what we see, hear, taste, smell, etc. So intuition extends into different dimensions. And if we don't have that beaten out of us, <laughs> either right. physically or through uh, miseducation, then that intu intuition will remain intact. If it is, then we have to, you know, reach out to it again and rebuild it in, in later years. But for a five-year-old, I would say it's their innate knowing of what's right and wrong. It's their innate knowing of their natural sensitivity to feeling what is coalescing and what is precipitating around them in reality, what can be, what may be. And so it's that, it's that sense of, uh, yeah, it's that deep sense of knowing that children have naturally and, and adults forget yes yep, exactly not only forget but like xavier said it's it's beaten out of them because you say who do you think you are you do what i say or i'm going to rip your ear off the, the <laughs> intuition is what reverend ike had us read was the book when i taught in the business of living seminars florence shovel shin i hope i'm pronouncing your name right and the book was called intuition and i want you to read it, it it's available through hay house so it's and it's a great book but it starts out saying intuition is a wellsprings of wisdom. This is why AI, which I love AI, it was again, invented by one of my heroes, Elon Musk in 2015, and, but it can go sideways or it can go to greatness. And now he's doing X to make it go to greatness because the way to get rid of something bad is pour in such, so much good. You get rid of a, a bad addiction by transplanting it with a good addiction, right? If you want to, it's like I just talked to a great neurosurgeon alcoholic who said, you know, I'm just listening to all the tapes you've got, Mark, and, and reading every book so I can get out of alcoholism and I'm in the 12-step program. The point is, intuition, there's only two things that AI can't do. One is it doesn't have intuition. Number two, even a supercomputer. And number two, it doesn't have imagination. And imagination is a front end of all God-centered realization, Reverend Ike would have taught. And, and he demonstrated it. And one of the poems we put in the book was, I'd rather see a sermon than have one. And when you walked into his church at nine at, at uh, 175th and Broadway, you were wowed. I mean, it was gilded gold. It used to be the Lowe's Center during the um, vaudeville days, but he had transformed it inside. He had all of his quotes like, you can't lose with the stuff I use, and all these phenomenal things that had poured out of him because, like Xavier said, he lived in the presence. He lived in the spirit. He prayed without ceasing, like Paul said, he meditated and he knew the Bible front to back, which he had, a, excuse me, uh, memorized starting as a little kid and was told by a grandma that at six years old, that he'd be a pastor. Is that correct? Uh, 14. 14. Yeah. So he started preaching at age 14. So, and he had, we got 60 years of about 50 weeks a year archived in the New York headquarters. So, mm -hmm. and all that stuff we're going to bring out as people come to like I hope you'll flash it, go to reverendikebook.com. We're going to give you some gifts 
uh, some information from Xavier, from me, from Reverend Ike, some video. Uh, there it is, reverendikebook.com. You will be wild, but you're going to stay in touch with us because we're going to do some seminars and we're going to invite you and we're going to have extraordinary revivals, if you don't mind my saying. So I don't know if that, what we're going to call them. If Xavier has put a name on it, we haven't, I haven't heard it. So if you got a better name, I'm all for it. Here's a great, uh, uh, Xavier, your father taught, let the feeling get the blessing. Can you delve into this? What well, does that mean? Absolutely. And so that concept, let the feeling get the blessing or feeling gets the blessing is one of the methods that we show in this book. What I love about this book um, is that it is a success manual. It's a self-improvement manual. So when you read the story of how my father used his power of imagination, as Mark just referenced, as a little boy, you know, lying on his bed, imagining the future uh, that he wanted, and then followed that, linked that to his sense of divine worthiness because he was son of God, as we all are. You see how he took each step in his life based upon that, harnessing that power of imagination and then his personal talents to communicate spirituality. And you see where it takes him. So it's the book is really a template that you can follow in your own way to create more wonderful, abundant and triumphant success in your life. Now, this issue of feeling does link to imagination because feeling and imagination are part of that feminine principle within. He would speak of it in terms of the subconscious being where with feeling, if you can get full of the feeling, as he would say, of something that you want in your mind, that impregnates your subconscious mind, that plants the seed. You know, today, just literally right before I came on with you today, we were drumming for the harvest. You know, we grow uh, Cabernet mm -hmm. grapes here on our property and we were drumming. It was a wonderful harvest. We had a great time playing West African harvest rhythms. Um, it was really great. That but, is awesome. Yes, yes. So when you plant the seed with emotion, with feeling into the womb of creation or the soil of your being in the subconscious, you charge it with feeling. We know that seeds in the ground, there are chemical and electromagnetic forces that help them grow. Feeling is like that force. It's an electromagnetic charge that germinates that seed within your mind and starts it to grow. So feeling gets the blessing because it initiates the growth of your possibility. My dad used to teach visualization, for example, from the pulpit. That's what made him unique as an evangelist, a very uncommon evangelist. But he would, one of his techniques, for example, something, you know, mundane, you want a new car, obviously research, go and drive it, sit behind it. And when you're home, for example, before you go to bed, go into your meditation, imagine yourself getting in that car in your garage or wherever you park it. If it's on the street, get into the car, smell it. All right. This is activating imagination. And then put your hand imaginatively on the steering wheel and feel the notches behind the steering wheel. Detail like that with feeling and imagination is what takes the possibility into probability, into actuality. It's a cycle of precipitation because everything we desire exists. It exists vibrationally somewhere. And the key has to do with how do we send our thoughts, feelings, attitudes, emotions, desires 
they're seeding the clouds so that it can pre precipitate into, into reality. As we used to sing at the palace, I'm expecting a harvest. It's going to rain in my life. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I hear that. And I hear, I've heard that obviously in other churches as well, right? There are mm -hmm. churches, I, but there's also in some of those same churches, not, not yours, but others that I've been to, there's also an inordinate amount of dogma <laughs> that, that, that is, that is shoved into people like expect a blessing, but don't get too big for your britches. <laughs> you know, like, like it, it's a, it's, it's an opposite of each other teaching in some cases, I mm. feel. Um, mm. what, what, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah. By the way, based on what you just said, remember what Christ said, the 12 guys were at dinner, right? And and one of the boys raised his hand and said, how do I be great? How do we be great? And he said, the greatest amongst you is serving of all. And then his commandment was go out two by two to all the world. Now, a guy that's going out to all the world and he's going out to all the world with all the clothes they got on. And if the people don't receive you with respect, love, admiration, welcome you into their house. There was no Marriott's. There's no Ritz-Carlton. There's no, right. they went out and they delivered the goods. And, mm. and they did it again and again. And mm. they always had what they needed, what, what Xavier defined abundance as, having what you need, when you need, because you need it or want it. And and going, I never heard the precipitation before, but, and then the question was, Reverend Ike did a whole talk, because what you feel is what you get. And, and the sensitivity is through the five inner senses of feeling, which are biblically based, right? Inner sense of sight, inner yeah. sense of touch, all that. And then, he, as a little kid at, at four years old, his dad has left. And I won't go through that story right now if you need it. With Xavier is really competent to tell about granddad. But he would go down the street and he'd see nice cars and they were walking to school, right? And he would take a stick and he'd go, Vroom! and he did it. And then he all of a sudden at 14 years old is up in New York and he goes by this place called the Plaza Hotel, which today is owned by uh, somebody famous. But um, he sees his first Rolls Royce. And he did what he te taught us to do is say, that's for me. Everyone, Well, if I was in the seminar, I'd have everyone shout that back at me like I learned from Mike. The point is, he said, that's for me. And I, I so imploded that, that all these Rolls Royces just kept manifesting such that we have a picture of a Rolls Royce that one of the great singing stars, music stars, yoga stars in New York gave him a Rolls Royce. I don't know if I should ask you to talk to that or not, Xavier. You mind hitting that? Uh, Bishop Jordan and and uh, our famous musician brought him a brand new Rolls. Thought, wow, get a rude Rolls. Wow, that is cool. Yeah, yeah, that was a gift. That's uh, Bishop Jordan and uh, uh, Reverend Run. I believe Reverend Run gave Bishop Jordan the Rolls Royce and and uh, yes, and um, I, I think how it went. My father didn't actually take the Rolls Royce, but he you know accepted donations on on behalf of the work of the church yeah so that was powerful but ken let me go at your question from this angle about this idea that sometimes the messages that people get in in church are at cross purposes like yeah you know uh live life abundantly and fully but not too much you know <laughs> right as we said the message of christ i've come that you have life and that you have that more abundantly so the cross-purpose message is like saying, well, you have the spirit of God within you, breathe in deeply, but not all the way, 
right? <laughs> right. <laughs> does not make sense. You have to breathe it in. The breath of life, take it in, breathe it. Inspiration, that's what it's about. That's what this book is about. So you, ultimately for me, this book is about inspiration. The hope that when people read this, when they work with it, when they take the journey and take on some of the methodology that my dad did to create a fulfilling life. And we each have our own definition of a fulfilling life that this book will breathe something into you that will ah, inspire, inspire you with hope, with your possibility, with any good thing that you could imagine. But beyond that inspiration, which also touches you into the aspiration of your soul that you were born to manifest, it also gives you methods and techniques of how you can do that. So yes, the breath of life is breathed into each one of us. God breathed the breath of life into the human being. The human being became a living soul. And I would add, God said, breathe deeply every day of your life. Take it in fully. Take it in. Mm. I love that. I, I just, you know, uh, I could sit here. Literally, I could talk to you guys for hours and hours and hours. Um, your wisdom is 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 unbelievable. This book, I've 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 just begun reading it. It's it's phenomenal. I, mm. I'm like I I literally can't wait to get off this interview so I can go back to reading the book. <laughs> you guys wrote it. It's just. You know, I, I, I've, I mean, I've written books and I, I think that, you know, when you, when, when you write, like you guys have, you go to a different place. And I, I know I've read things that I've written. I was like, I, I wrote that. Like, what? <laughs> like, I don't remember writing that. And yet it seemed really wise when I read it back to myself. So uh, mm -hmm. this book, you guys, everybody watching go to reverendikebook.com and, and get registered and join the it's a club that you've kind of put together over there too right right what we're saying is we want you to get not one book but two so you and somebody else go over every chapter every paragraph every idea like when i was bankrupt and upside down i would read reverend ike's book to my mastermind partner who you and i've talked about ken uh chip collins and i took chip collins up to the church and we had a wonderful time the point is if you can afford it get two if you can really afford it get 10 if you really can afford it Get a hundred and give it to somebody in need. There's never been more need as far as I can see in America. And when I was needy um, and in and, and high hurt, luckily Reverend Ike existed and I went there and and uh, it's amazing. And then somebody else has written down, they can hardly wait for the seminar that we're going to do. The only way you're going to know about the seminar is if you go reverendikebook.com. Yeah, I'm saying it right. Yeah. And, then, yep. and then, you know, also get the book and read it because we do plan on showing up and, and Xavier, we're supposed to talk about two things. One, you're going to talk about the Smithsonian and number two, you're going to talk about, we're opening up the Reverend Ike resource center and we want, we're inviting wow. you all to come. So Xavier, can you talk to that please? Yeah. Thanks Mark. Thanks for, wow. uh, for reminding this us. Is news to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a wonderful exhibit at the, uh, Smithsonian African American Museum of Art and Culture. It's called Spirit in the Dark, Religion in Black Music, Activism, Popular Culture. And it's got a number of uh, you know famous people in there. And my father has an exhibit. There's a full suit of his clothes. And uh, um, 
it's just a wonderful experience to go and see that. You see this intersection between religion, music, and activism uh, in in, yeah. uh, in the black sector of society, and it's absolutely beautiful. And so that started a year ago, and it was meant to conclude this month, but they've uh, renewed it. So it's going to go on at least through uh, April of 2024. It might even go on longer. We don't know yet, but certainly into April of 2024. So uh, we want to encourage people to go to DC and check out that exhi exhibit. It's uh, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, wow. This, uh, well, yeah, this is still October, isn't it? The months go so yeah. fast sometimes. Yeah. But November um, 28th in Beaufort, South Carolina, at the first church that my dad founded there. Um, it's called the United Church of Jesus Christ for all people. It's non-denominational. Um, we're going to have the groundbreaking of the Rev Ike Resource Center, which I'm so looking forward to. Um, it's going to be a wonderful place. Um, it has some resonance with the King Center in Atlanta. Um, it will be uh, somewhat like a museum, but also a place where the community can come and have events and uh, there'll be, you know, a computer center for youth, for kids to use, for example, uh, uh, and after school programs and all kinds of wonderful things. So we're going wow. to be breaking ground there on November 28th in Beaufort, South Carolina. And wow. if you'd like to come enjoy this, join us, we would love to have you. You're more than welcome. You can, uh, yeah, just, just check in with us at uh, revitebook.com. And as for the seminars, when as we release these seminars, we want you to come. And, and Allah, what you were just saying, Ken, I meant to finish that whole loop, is that not only will each of us speak, and you will get to hear his magnificent drumming. I mean, this isn't a minor. This is a guy who travels around the world back and forth to Africa multiple times a year to, to master wow. his art. And I consider him a drumming master. But we will answer any questions you've got endlessly, just like Reverend Ike did. When he started, he started down in the South and he would preach six, seven nights a week and drink. He only had one set of clothes. So he went home and his feet were sweaty because you sweat two pints of blood normally, but because he was a real preacher and everybody came out and the people would hang in the windows at these little churches. And uh, it's amazing how that, how that worked. And then he would go home, have to wash clothes, hang them outside, dry them and wear the same clothes the next night. Because at first he started with absolutely no money and and didn't know how to ask for money although he learned how to do that real quick and um it, and he became the best person to close a congregation because you can't you can't if you're not giving you're not able to be fully living so you've got to be contributing that 10% percentage of uh that uh, you know the whole bible talks about wow I only I'm I, I don't even know what else to ask. I, I, honestly, like you got my you don't even my mind is mush right now. I I'm like I'm sitting here like a bowl of Jello or something. So so look, everybody watching first for everyone who shared this out. Um, there's bonus points for you in heaven probably. Um, I'm making that up. I don't know if that's true or not, but. You know what? Sharing is and and sharing someone else's message and their energy with the world is a, a really, really good thing to do. So if you have not shared this out, there's time for you to redeem yourself and go ahead and share this out and and get this message out. Like for those of you that have been on here since the beginning, my gosh, if you have not felt 
the energy on this show today. Wow. 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 So share this out, please. And, and make sure you go to reverendikebook.com. For those of you listening on the podcast, reverendikebook.com. Get registered. Get a couple of copies of the book. Get more if you can and bless others because by blessing others, there is it's literally impossible to not receive a blessing if you're blessing other people. So please go out and do that starting today. Right now, today is a good time to start. So, gosh, thank you guys for being on here. I, I don't want to end it. If there's more you want to talk about, I'm a sponge. I'm I'm here. So, um, but is is there anything else that you guys would like to add to 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 this to the audience? Xavier, you know, to come back to this idea about um, the nobility of poverty, et cetera, and that somehow money is evil. I know there's that old quote: "The love of money is the root of all evil." Yeah. Uh, which my, my father flipped and he said, the lack of money is the root of all evil. But if you look at the scripture, the love of money is the root of all evil. I mean, we can understand that in that context, it means lust. If I'm lusting after money, if I'm, you know, just somehow that's my, the one thing that I'm after and I don't care how I get it, et cetera, and I'll do wrong things to get it. Obviously that's problem. Um, another way of thinking of that love of money being the root of all evil is that when we don't identify that God is at our center, then we become imbalanced. And then that makes us lustful for things outside of us that we think is going to fill that void, that think once we get something outside of us is going to make me feel worthy or deserving. And it can't, whatever it is, whether it's money, whether it's the right man or woman, whether it's status in society, whatever we're lusting after, after because we think it's going to fill us, we know that is just a vicious circle. So we need to get out of that vicious uh, circle and get into what my dad used to call the never ending cycle of increase and enjoyment, which understands that because I am born of God, I am a creation of God, I am made of God's stuff, I am deserving of every good thing, and I will claim those good things that are within my heart. If it's a desire to be wealthy, then that's fine. As long as it's in line with my soul's destiny and the idea of my becoming a full self, and obviously being wealthy gives us the ability to bless others in many different ways. It's a beautiful thing. So, you know, when people just chuck quotes at us like that, we have to understand what does it really mean? You know, is there a context to it? And uh, just go underneath it and get beneath the rote words into the true word, which is the vibrational frequency of the thing in the first place. I, I will... Thank I, I agree with everything Xavier said, and he is so articulate and so wise. Yes. But we, we keep having it coming across the screen. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know that you can see what the three of us get to see, but somebody in Mumbai just answered. And, and uh, what I want you to know is I lived in India for a while, and I did go to the Harvard of India. And what is so amazing is that India has poverty not because they don't have resources. They got poverty because they're impoverished thinking. And what Christ said is a poor you'll always have with you. Because if you think poor, Reverend Ike would teach Xavier and I, you're going to be poor. 
If you start thinking rich, you'll get rich. In Joel, it said, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the sick say, I am well. Let the hurting say, I am healed. And immediately you start all the molecules and atoms of universe coming towards you. Like he said, it's an outside in, but it's really the inside out. When you're rich on the inside, you'll get rich on the outside. And there's one of the richest three men in the world is a guy who's got a $2 billion house in Mumbai. And, and so the point is, and in, in, in our computer business, which is when Reverend Ike and I talked, we talked about the fact that Silicon Valley, which is our computer center, along with Bangalore, India, uh, you know, and Longworth, where I live in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, is Silicon Sand. And we've got the biggest Intel headquarters. We've got a lot of headquarters here now. And, and what's so exciting, and we got the new, all the stuff's coming from Taiwan because the problems they're having with China over there right now. But when I go to Asia with my wife, which is frequent, all the people start out by coming to a seminar I did on money on One Minute Millionaire, which a lot of the stuff I learned from Reverend Ike. But what happens is like I did a three-day seminar there and everybody had paid at least seven grand each to attend. We had 12,000 people. I was only getting paid 75 grand a day, but that's substantial. And what happened is the second day I said, how many of you are here to make more money? No one raised their hand because they're all rich already. So I, and I'd had Crystal on the night before. I said, how many of you want to raise here? Crystal, my beloved, beautiful wife, who I call the goddess of exquisiteness talk. They didn't, they clapped, but they also all stood up. And what we did for the next two days, I had all these PowerPoints. I'm ready to teach all this wonderful stuff. All they wanted to do is ask questions. And what Xavier just said so articulately was they want to know about spirit because nobody's teaching the truth of spirit. And what Christ said, mm. you'll know the truth and the truth will set you. Ken, what will Please. it say? Right. And, all, and that's why we'd sing in church back then, you know, free at last, free at last, which is what Martin Luther King finished his greatest speech on. You know, thank God I'm, I'm free at last. The point is, and, and I see now that we're inviting everyone to uh, Buford, South Carolina on that day, but we're going to invite you all to these seminars because when you change your thinking, you change your results, you change your future, you change your world. And every one of us, if you're just a regular person, you affect 250 people. If you start to escalate, you affect 1,000. And I've sold 500 million, almost 600 million books. I am soon to, I'm sure because of past and value in India and China and Vietnam and place like that in America, I've touched a billion people. I would not have probably been able to do that if Reverend I can turn me around because I would have killed myself because I thought, my self-worth and net worth were the same. They're not. And what happens is once you build self-worth, your net worth goes skyrockets. And it, you say, well, you got all the money. I've made more millionaires probably than any normal writer other than maybe Napoleon Hill and Reverend Ike. So there, there's no shortage. And, and I'm not done because we're not doing billionaires.com. And I'm working with a guy who owns that. And we're going to create billionaires because... What I wrote last night is that we need 33,000 billionaires and that'll pay off the whole national debt. The other way you got to do it is have, you know, uh, uh, 3,000 Elon Musk, or you've got to have, we've got to harvest the asteroid, which he's doing, which is like way cool because that's a hundred quadrillion dollars. So we're in ladies and gentlemen, the greatest time in human history. If you think right, Xavier, would you agree with all that? Indeed, I like that. My my net worth is not my self worth, and I want to say also that we're we're saying that people. It's not wrong to be poor, obviously, and also if that's a lifestyle, life lifestyle, 
choice that people make, you know, to have an ascetic life and not be bothered with materialistic things or material things, that's fine as well. You know, it's no problem. It's really all about each of us being free, coming back to that, that word, freedom, to be free to live and conduct our lives as we desire with harm to none. I mean, I believe we're each planted here to, to live our full lives, you know, and, and an abundant life means something a little different for each person. And we're all individual souls. We're not, you know, cookie cutting, cookie cut, um, you know, objects where it says we were fashioned from the, the dust of the earth and then the, the breath of life was breathed into us. But that, that's just spiritual uniqueness that we all have. You I can know, feel part of the people watching, like Elizabeth in South Africa is watching from Belgium, which mm -hmm. is, by the way, there, there's never been a time, Ken, when we literally, thanks to Zoom, which came because of a crisis, because Napoleon Hill said every crisis has a seed of equivalent or greater benefit, Zoom Zoomed, and it's now, if I'm giving the right number, it's worth $280 billion because of COVID. So something, yeah. a tragic, an invisible, awful, terrible thing happened shut down the world, but it opened up stuff. I mean, and if yeah. you stay alert, alive, and terrific, and that's the kind of songs we sang at Reverend Ike's church. I'm in right up, right up, right up, happy all the time. Anyhow, and I can't sing, but I really <laughs> love these songs. <laughs> and both sides are going to get out of here. We're not playing in your band. Anyhow. Um, speaking of songs. What? Speaking of songs, here's a fun fact about Reverend Ike. He inspired John Lennon's first number one single. Which was called? Whatever Gets You Through the Night. Wow. He used to watch my dad. We were talking about, you know, the late night uh, cheap television time. So he'd be watching my dad. He heard my dad say the statement, whatever gets you through the night. Next thing you know, he wrote that song. And Wow. Yeah. And there's some there's some fun facts in the book like that, too, that you'll you'll come across. It's very, well, very, uh, this Paula keeps popping this question up. So I'm just going to ask you, I've never even heard of the law of assumption. So law what is the, what is the difference between the law of creation and the law of assumption? Do you guys know you heard of yeah, that? The law of assumption comes from a guy named Neville who wrote a, a lot of great books, but most famous is resurrection, which Reverend Ike would say is one of the first books you got to buy other than the Bible. He was a Bible scholar knew it inside and out, had lots of Bibles in his home, lots of in his offices when I was with him, lots in the, by the way, he, curiously, he carried a Bible in the back of his Rolls Royce and one of my many chicken soup books, which so I was very touched. But the law of assumption, the line from Neville is, live in the assumption of the wish fulfilled. Now that is three quarters of it. That's like, no offense to Aristotle and Plato, but they said cause effect. I say, you got to triangulate it, cause, effect, total result. Because you plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. But I, there's pictures on my website now of, of my father-in-law planted uh, all these apple trees on, on the land that the family owned up in my wife's land up in um, uh, uh, Oregon. And not Oregon, cancel that, Idaho, the land in Idaho. And now it's an apple orchard. So one apple tree has a million apples. That's a total resultant. What we're saying here is a law of creation is that you can't see all that you could create. There's no way when I'm bankrupt and upside down, and I decide to write chicken soup with Jack. I could see that, that I could touch. Now I wrote the goal that got us 144 rejections. I'll take the blame, total hundred percent blame. None goes on Dr. Canfield. He gets none of the onus. I said, we're going to sell a billion books. 
if you're a random house, you go, <laughs> guys, tinker toys for brains. Nobody has ever, <laughs> nobody's oh ever sold a billion books. Look, I'm going to live to be 127. I'm better than halfway to goal. I'm going to sell a billion books and help another other people do it because when I, Xavier knows this. So I was just on, and we're going on shortly here with uh, Amazon bestseller list with a guy named Mark Devereaux. And Mark Devereaux starts the thing, says, do you know who um, the guy who ran Four Minute Mile was? I said, absolutely. He's a medical doctor. He did in 1953. I said, but what you may not know, Mark, is what happened the next week. Do you know, Ken, what happened the next week? I, I I know the premise of what happened the next week. A What's bunch of other premise? people broke broke the four minute mile. 119, and then yeah. my wife and I, <clears throat> our whole family, which I'm a big family, and she's one of nine. We all get together and do the Boulder Boulder every year, and and they have the guys from Kenya run first because we're slow, we're old and slow, <laughs> yeah. and it's fascinating. But what, what's amazing is that. Uh, they run almost a four minute mile for the whole thing in a Boulder Boulder. It's all a fundraiser. And we've come into the, I used to be a university professor at, at CU, uh, Colorado university. And it's amazing to have 120,000 people crowd crowd and going nuts for you. I got a lot of pictures online of that. And, and what I'm saying is there's no way I would do that except my younger brother who owns all the dry cleaners and Boulder to Longmont, all that, and has done really well. Cause he also listened to Reverend Mike said, Holy cow. I, do you believe that we got 120,000 people clapping for us? And those guys were here like an hour before we got there. Wow. It's amazing. They're beautiful. Wow. They just, they flow like gazelles. It's just yeah. amazing. Sure. By the way, I, I, I think Kenyans were running four minute miles thousands of years ago. I agree. <laughs> yeah. While they were hunting lions or running right. Which they are oh, running away. And running away. Which is was not recorded by the Western world yet. Right. <laughs> right. And, and I've never thought of that before, but that's really why our friend uh, David had to get so good that he could kill a lion because they didn't do it. <laughs> I always thought they did a slingshot like that because that's what no, my grandma in the Baptist church because she only knew that slingshot, but he really went like this and he was so profound. Right. You know why he had five stones, Ken? Uh uh-uh. uh. He had five stones because when he killed the Philistine who was seven foot eight, bigger than Shaq, and I've had Shaq step on me with his 22 foot. So Shaq is 380 pounds of this. He didn't mean to. He just, we were doing a a Shaq attack at the Lakers for the handicap. I did chicken soup for the handicapable soul. And I said, hey, Shaq, would you do me a favor? And he said, I'll do anything for you, Mark. And he gave basketballs to all the kids and signed them. And they're really... So I love all those kids and they got great hearts and souls, but they were really mangled. And, and, you know, I, we, I prayed for him with Shaq and it was great. But the, the point is, is that he killed, he had five stones because that guy had four brothers and he didn't kill them. <laughs> they were coming after his buddy. He was done for. Oh um, but the other thing Reverend Ike did, somebody wrote as one of the things, Reverend Ike always had fun. And, and look, God only gave human beings the ability to have a sense of humor. A hyena laughs, but he can't laugh at itself. I can laugh at myself because I got lots of foibles. I was just sitting here thinking, like, the Kenyans have to, they train by seeing who can outrun the cheetah. <laughs> like, that's how they train. Like, By the way, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and I did this safari a couple times. But I um, got to tell you that... No one outruns a cheetah. Now, he's been to Kenya maybe more than I have, but they go 80 miles an hour. Isn't that correct? Yeah. I think 60. 60. Yeah, okay. Well, 60 or 80, 
A human being, I don't know what our top speed is. 40 miles faster than a human can run, yeah. I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, whatever the speed of a human. No is. chance. Look at that. No chance. Well, listen, gentlemen, I am beyond grateful to, we are. Um, to have hosted you guys and, and announced this book to the world. I, I will do everything in my power to help you get this in the hands of millions and millions and millions of people. Thank um, you so is there is a uh, question is there going to be an an audible audio version of the book absolutely yes awesome awesome any anything else you guys want to add for the audience i just want to hitchhike on what ken said earlier a blessing is not a blessing until you give it away and some of you say well wait a second you're asking me to invest and an extra book to give it away. Not for us. I promise you, Xavier and I, our future days are fed. You don't have to worry about, no, my kids want <laughs> <Yeah>. shoes. <laughs> They'll be all right. I uh, know. My kids have got plenty of shoes and grandkids, and, and so and yeah. Xavier's taken care of. I quite promise yeah. you. And uh, one of the parties we're going to have sometime is out at his vineyard, and then we can celebrate just like Jesus did by turning, he'll turn water that he irrigates with into wine. I'm very sure that he can do that. <laughs> wow. Awesome. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> I never thought about that until right now, Xavier. I hope you don't mind my messing with you. Well, look, Alfreda met you at your fifth birthday. Wow. Wow is right. That's wow. coming. And I'll bet you brought a gift too, because 5,000 people, they all loved on Xavier. I'll just tell you. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, we definitely want to hear your story, Freda. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You guys are amazing. Thank you both so much. I, I, I love you both. I love what you're doing. I'm here to help in every way possible. Everybody, if I did not already guilt you into sharing this, um, let me make one last effort. Please share this. Even if you've shared it already, share it again because it helps the algorithms and and just go out and share this again and talk about it to everybody that you know. And let's get this book into the hands and hearts of millions and millions of people across the globe. Thank you both so much. I'm going to end the live stream unless you have anything else you'd like to add. I one to say. Yes. Yeah. The reason you're going to share the book is this one reason. We, because of this book, and I'm talking and I'm taking liberty of talking for Xavier and his mom and our, our respect, we call each other family, we're that close, is, is there's only one way to end poverty. And there's only one place to be impoverished, or, and that is a museum. Poverty belongs in a museum. And to get, if we, our book, I promise you, will get poverty out of your mind, out of your heart, out of your soul, and get you into having more, being more, doing more and living more and everybody's back to what Xavier said, we're going to make everybody better off and no one worse off. No one will be hurt by reading its book, but it's the most screaming value you can get on Amazon today. As far as I'm concerned, you know, my, my brother, Glenn Morshower, which Mark, yep. you know, you've met. I know Glenn. Glenn. Um, <clears throat> he's brilliant. And, and he said the other day, he was talking to a group of us and he said, you already won the biggest race of your entire life. You outswam 500 million sperm to get here. And he stopped. He did his actor dramatic pause and he goes, what did you have in mind? 
Like you're here to do great things. You're here to do great things. Hey, what did you have in mind when you got here? Like, let's go, let's get this book out. Maybe this is your purpose is to get this book into the hearts and the minds and the souls of millions of people and, and help Xavier and Mark and, and blow this thing up. You're going to help a lot of people, a lot of people. So, so grateful for both of you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Ken. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Ken. And blessings to everyone who's watching. Indeed. Blessings to all of you. Thank you so much.